Welcome to the Shellheads podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Sergio, uh, and my mask, masked brethren on the other end of the line is Jeff, your other host. Hello. Uh, we, we are still, uh, we're, we're still distancing ourselves from e- people and each other. Which is a shame. It is a shame. It, it's, it's, it's kind of thrown a wrench into the whole uh, Shellheads schedule. But yeah. but getting through it, we we're what's it called flattening the curve. We're here for episode what is this thirty thirty four episode thirty four, uh, and we are this time talking about um, the original Mirage Run again. Uh, it's 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 what we kicked off this whole podcast with, and it's what we're going to keep hitting until we get through every single issue. This is a very very exciting episode for me today because yeah. we're finally diving into like what I consider the magnum opus of the Mirage like comics run. It's it's the best thing Eastman and Laird produced when it comes to like narrative story in the entire run of, of, of the Mirage comics. After what I've read, uh, I'm inclined to agree 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This the, the, we're we're going to be talking about City at War. Or not all of City War. Let's 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 pare this down. Um, the, the way we've been covering these uh, up until now is we've we've been loosely following the structure set put in place uh, by IDW Publishing uh, when they reprinted um, all of the old Mirage comics. They kind of split them into a, six groups uh, of books, and City at War they split across two different hardback collections. Uh, in the uh, called the IDW, what is it called? The um, Ultimate Collection Volume Ultimate Four. Collection. That's correct. Oh. This is going to be Ultimate Collection Volume Four. Correct. And what that covers is issues forty-eight through fifty-five of Mirage Volume One, uh, and so that that is the short two-parter, Shades of Grey. Uh, it's it's basically a Casey Casey Jones story. And then the first six, is it the first six? Yes, the first six issues of City at War. A a, a really, really good number of issues to wet your whistle. Oh, yeah. uh, Because a lot happens in this run, uh, and I'm very, very excited to talk about it. Specifically with you, Jeff, because uh, I I don't want to spoil it, but... Hey, Jeff, have you ever read this before? I have not. Um, as uh, you and some of the good folks listening might remember, um, my introduction was ma- was purely the uh, the animated series and the movies and and so on and so forth. And I'd picked up maybe a couple of comics here and there. So my introduction was purely on the other side of the spectrum. And so, and then of course being introduced to uh, City at War through Two K Three. Um, so this is my first big foray into into uh, delving into these. Um, yeah, yeah. A- and what, what's interesting is you kind of know the story of City at War because you, you as you said, you're you were into 2K3, which mm-hmm. which published, you know, th- they told an adaptation of that story. Yeah, they took like 13 issues and con- it was 13 issues, right? Yes. Condensed it into like four episodes, I think. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And 
after reading this again, because it's it's been a while since I've read it. I've read it about four or five times. Reading it again the other day, it seems pretty obvious how they were able to squish the whole story of City at War into about four or five uh, episodes is because there's a lot of peripheral story being told uh, in these comics. Uh, The the Turtles, for the the, the most part, aren't really the main characters Mm -mm. in at least the ones we read today. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of the the eight issues we read, the Turtles have the least amount of panel time. Uh, They have the least amount of character growth. And their and and their 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 characters' journeys have really barely even started. But I I have notes. Do you have notes this time? Uh, I have notes, and then I kind of stopped at some point. And I was like, you know, I'm just gonna kind of wing it, and just kind of you know, as we go through, just kind of flip through and. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have one, two, three pages of notes. Yeah, mm-hmm. three-ish pages as well. But before we talk about the the actual issues themselves, we kind of have to to talk about the context in which this was released. So the very first issue we're going to cover is issue 48, which was uh, published in June of 92. And if you remember, this was in the middle of like turtle mania. From from the from about the year 89 to about 93, 94, the turtles were the biggest IP on the planet. Oh, yeah. Uh, action figures were everywhere. Video games were everywhere. Um, the movies were everywhere. Let's see, ninety two is that? That's the year that uh, the third movie came out. Um, yeah, because the first one was in ninety, second one was in ninety one, third one was 90, in ninety two, I believe. Th- this was, uh, of course, the the turtles had been kind of pigeonholed as this goofy kids franchise for yeah. a couple years now, and the Mirage book had had. I don't want to say been kind of thrown to the wayside, but for about 20 or so issues, 20, 25 or so issues, it was just being written and drawn and, 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 and created by third party creators mm-hmm. who may or may not have, have had any official affiliation with Mirage comics, you know, just basically just guest writers coming in and doing their own spin on the turtles. Some of them, uh, more, more bizarre than others. Yeah, and we haven't really covered any of those on this podcast yet. Uh, there was no canon. It was it was just, just this weird dumping ground for turtle stuff. Mm-hmm. So, Shades of Grey was kind of the first real step back into Mirage creating a story, a one singular story that they want to tell on a month to month basis. In this case, for about a fifteen month stretch. Because they, they were pretty good about releasing each of these books one one month at a time. Or one every month. So let's let, – actually, let's go ahead and just start talking about the books themselves. Because uh, we've we've vamped long enough. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So first issue we have is – and I put my notes down. Why did I put my notes down? For number 48, Shades of Grey number one, published in June of 92. Uh, the art in this one is done by Lawson. However, the story was completely written by Eastman and Laird. Mm-hmm. Something that they had not done, hadn't really done for an entire book since, I believe, the end of Return to New York, mm-hmm. which was what, issue 21? Yes, it was issue 21. 
that that was that was the last time they had collaborated on a book together as you know uh, an entire book i'm sure they did like one shots here and there because they had a bunch of collections coming out um but this this story starts off with the turtles in what is springfield and i meant to look that up Uh, i'm assuming that's like springfield massachusetts probably uh because because they were in symptoms are no not there oh because Northampton, Massachusetts, is where, you know, that, that's where they were based in, 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 in the Northampton farmhouse. Uh, as I take a quick, quick gander at, at uh, Google Maps, just south of Northampton is Springfield, Massachusetts, where I would assume that's where, they're, where they are. Yeah. Uh, they're doing an exercise where Casey, Casey drives in, into town, hides somewhere, and the turtles have to... Then show up, what, three hours later, find him, uh, and basically capture him and bring him home. This is ninja hide-and-seek. Ninja hide-and-seek. Uh, it's a cute idea. The thing is, is it doesn't really happen, because things go very sideways very quickly. Yeah. Uh, let's see. A- April drops the turtles off, and her car breaks down. We'll more, more, more on that in a moment. Casey gets in a fight with some punks in a park. Which he does. That's kind of what he does. Yeah. The, 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 the catch here is, and really the catalyst for the rest of the Casey story we're going to talk about today, is that he accidentally kills a kid. With yeah. a hockey stick. Wow. That was, that was something. I was like, no, no, he's just resting. Nope. No, no, no. Homeboy's dead. And if that doesn't set the tone... For the issues to come, I don't know what does. Yeah. Uh, as he's kind of freaks out, he runs. He gets caught by he he gets caught by nobody, and we know who nobody is. Yeah. He's that that vigilante cop, uh, who wears all black and uh, it did some crazy wild like gun like what did what did he do last time we saw him in in the tales book. He like use uh, use missiles and rocket or a helicopter and blew stuff up and all kinds of yeah he was he was kind of off his rocker yeah really. all in the name of the law the turtles end up tracking Casey they find the dead body realize that it was Casey that killed him uh, and they end up finding him and nobody and they convince nobody to let Casey go. Um, Partially because they've greatly outnumbered him. And two, they just kind of talked him out of it. He's like, look, we know you've done some shady things because of the last time we hung out. Mm-hmm. If he is guilty of anything, he will, you know, he'll be brought to justice, whatever. It's obvious, and my last note here on this is, it's obvious Casey's pretty messed up. Yeah. Uh, after killing, you know, killing the kid. Uh, and April, her car broke down. Her car was broken down, and some dude came by and said, "Hey, do you need some help?" So, yeah, chance of gray number one. Yeah. What did Just you take from this? I didn't see that coming. Like I was like, "Wow!" Like what a you know an interesting way to take um, uh, you know that character. And it's always like you know when you're a vigilante. 
or you have any type of comic book hero, you know, and they accidentally kill somebody, like how does that affect them? Because you know, it's like the kind of like the Saturday morning mentality, like all lasers, no no bullets. If it, Shades of Grey is a great name for this mm-hmm. two-parter, but if if we're just speaking specifically what this is about, mm-hmm. it would be issue forty-eight, Casey's first kill. Yeah. Because it's obvious they haven't said it out loud, but it's obvious he's Casey's not a killer. He's not a guy who just murders, you know, bad guys. No. And this is the first time they've acknowledged that he has taken a life. Mm -hmm. Um, And it also sets the tone, as I said before, the tone both story wise and character wise, because what we learned from the April character in the very next issue is that she is very conflicted. She doesn't quite know where she's going mm-hmm. in life. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and jump into number 49 because these two issues work together so well. Mm-hmm. So 49 is shades of gray part two. Uh, it was published the following month in July. Um, April's conflicted about like the, the dude she who picked up, picked her up on the side of the road and, and helped her with the car. She, she went on a date with him, kind of liked him, but it occurred to her, well, how can I get to go know this guy when I'm basically living a secret life? Yeah. You know, I'm, I, I, I have one, two, six in live in roommates, five of which are mutants. And one of them, one of them is a crazy person who wears a mask. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Like, how do I live some sort of normal life out of this? And she approaches Splinter and brings this up. She's like, "How do I? How how do I do this? How do I do this?" And Splinter says one thing: leave. Slams the door. It's like that was cold blooded. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, like, dang. I don't think it's nearly as I. I wouldn't call it cold blooded. It's tactless. I'll give it. I'll give it that. <laughs> You know, because he could have sat her down and given her, you know, the the fatherly advice and the, well, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. You don't have to be here. We have existed before you were here. You know, just he he could have said it a lot nicer. Well, this is true, but also uh, he probably did not have his morning coffee. (laughs) Maybe. I don't don't know. Pretty worn out. Yes, yes, yes. And and we, oh, the Splinter character goes places as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, But... He's just uh, what I took from that interaction was no one is keeping you here. Oh, yeah, definitely. Don't let us be a burden on you. We existed alone without you for 15 years Mm -hmm. before we accidentally inserted ourselves into your life. Just leave. We'll be fine. And. That, you know, there could have been a two-page dialogue moment where all of that was explained. Instead, we just got leave. And, it, like, that's a, it's, it's, it's a very strong scene, in my opinion, because oh, yeah. it's the last time, at least for a while, that, we, that April sees the Turtles and Splinter and Casey. Mm-hmm. Because she leaves. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Casey is still taking the death of that kid really bad. Uh, he's drunk and he's mourning that kid. He he ends up wandering into the forest, into the woods outside of the the uh, farmhouse, 
and he meets Donnie, who has been very uh, distant, you know, in, in the past two issues. So much so that he did not accompany his brothers on the the the, the mission last issue. Mm-hmm. And drunk Casey's like, "What's up with you, man? Why do you think you're better than us?" And blah blah, just 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 being a drunk a hole, you know. Oh yeah. And Donnie's like, "Look, I'm just hanging out here. Like, you don't want to do this." Calm down. We'll talk about this when you're sober. And ultimately, Casey just picks a fight with him. And obviously, Donnie being a ninja and a better fighter and not drunk, immediately takes him out and knocks him into a, into a ravine or a river. Not a river, like a, like a creek or a stream. Yeah. Some great panels, too. Oh, wonderful panels. Very artistic panels. Yeah, yeah. And I, I know that it's... It is art. It's a comic book. It's a drawing. But when I say artistic, I, I, what I actually mean is more abstract. Mm-hmm. There's one panel in particular where there's a like a downed tree over the stream. Yeah. And you see it from three different angles as they tell the story. And the, the, the composition on the page was really cool. Oh, yeah. It's very much a, um, a uh, Robin Hood versus Little John moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. In in Robin Hood Men in Tights. Let's go with that because that's like one of the most choice movies. I love Robin Hood Men in Tights. That's one of my favorites. So uh, the the turtles are seen back in the 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 uh, the farmhouse, kind of sparring and, and and getting along, but you know, just kind of being bored. Over the radio, you hear about New York gang struggle, power struggles. Uh, basically as foreshadowing of the upcoming city, city war mm-hmm. that's going to happen. Casey goes wandering back through the uh, the park where it happened, and he, he meets nobody this time in his police clothes. Nobody, no, nobody basically says, your story checks out. The two kids turn themselves in. Uh, turns out what you did was in self-defense. And it doesn't really make Casey feel any better. Because yeah. he knew he was in the right, he still is. Uh, he still is just visibly upset that he he killed somebody, and that's pretty much where the issue ends. You know, it's 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 a very emotional two issues. They they they're tied together very closely, mm-hmm. and the events of these two issues catapult the beginning of City at War with issue fifty. Uh, what would you think of that? Again, it's another it's another you know very strong issue. Um, artwork differing you know from the first first part. Uh, still, I mean, still still enjoy the artwork. Of course, of course, April looks more um, like animated series April, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, so she changes kind of a little bit, you know. But no, I, no, I dig it. Um, Again, it's an interesting way to take his character, and you know, it, it adds more to it, which you didn't have much there before in kind of previous issues. Um, and uh, it was good to see nobody again, even for like a brief minute. <laughs> right, right. Because he's a he's a fun character, um, and uh, yeah, I can definitely see why they didn't adapt this into any episodes of Two K Three. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Although it could have been very dramatic, they could have spun it in an interesting way. Um, but, um, I don't know. I don't know. Like the, the, the one thing that really stands out in both of these and the books that are, that are to come, uh, is emotion. There's a mm-hmm. lot of emotion in these panels. It, it, like emotion that has, has, has really not been seen in a Mirage book before. Mm-hmm. Like every single character, you get an idea of where they are with their mental state and their story and how, how they feel about their situation. And t- to be honest, none of these characters prior to this run have really, have really been developed at all. It's very true. So I have, yeah, I, I really like shades of gray, but I, the, like the, the real, uh, the, the real kicker here is, is city at war, which we're going to go ahead and jump into mm-hmm. because the, the, this is the real prize. Yeah. So next up is number 50. Uh, number 50 has a, has several distinctions. One, it is the last full comic that Eastman and Laird both did the art and writing for. Mm-hmm. Like, period. And that was in, in, what, in 92? So what's that, 20, oh, wow. 30, almost 30 years ago now. Wow. They, they haven't worked on a book together. No, they might have done, again, a couple of one-shots here and there in, like, some collections. That, that, that I would have to break down, you know, the individual dates of the collections and stuff. But when it comes to cover-to-cover art and story by Eastman and Laird, this is the last one. Oh, wow. Uh they did do, they did all the writing on the, the rest of City at War, but Jim Lawson did all the pencils going forward. Um, this book also is the, I believe it's the only time the turtles have been completely silent. Uh, it's a it's a forty page book where the turtles don't say anything, Splinter doesn't say anything, April Casey don't say anything. The only words come from like a radio yeah. that's, you know, in, in frame that is basically telling the background story of here's what's happening in New York while you see all of these characters separate and spread around, uh, you know, s- spread around to begin their, their, their upcoming stories. Mm-hmm. It, it, it should go without saying, but the art in this, in this book is phenomenal. It really is. It, it, it calls back to those early books so hard. Mm-hmm. And there, there are certain specific panels where you just look at the turtle, and you're like, "Oh, that's that's what I recognize. That's the exact turtle I remember from issue one or two or three or five, You know, yeah. So it's 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 very deliberate in in how they were deliberate in how they drew the turtles to make sure that you know, hey, we're back. We're telling a story. We need you to pay attention. Is is how ha- is how I took that in you know this entire book, mm-hmm. because the, the, narratively speaking, there isn't much story in it, even though it's forty pages long. Mm-hmm. All it it's it is nothing but setup. And that, but but before I get into the actual details of that, uh, we were chatting before we got started, and and one thing that you mentioned was a. You, you said, oh, well, Sergio, I like it, but there was a lot of filler. 
Um, Elaborate on that. Is that something that you feel came a lot in this book or like in subsequent books? I would say subsequent books. Really? Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, when when we get to that point, I'll okay. Know, okay. Discuss that. Um, yeah. Well, the, the reason I and we and we will we'll come back to that. But the reason I ask you is because if you're looking for a story about Ninja Turtles and you show up for number fifty, you're you're getting a a, a menagerie of different stories. You're getting the beginning of Splinter's story. You're getting the beginning of April's story. You're getting the beginning of Casey. Casey's story, the turtle story, this foot elite who's just laying waste to foot soldiers. Yeah. And also this random nameless guy. Yeah. You know, like you're you're getting five or six distinct stories all starting in this book. Mm-hmm. And that's really how it's told through the rest of City at War. Yeah. It's not just a story of the turtles. You're you're following f- four or five different stories that may or may not have anything in like in common or to do with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so th- that's why I was asking about the filler because if because if you don't care about April, her stuff's gonna be filler for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, but to dive oh, no, directly, care. I care. I definitely care. Well, I'm not saying you don't. It, it's it's yeah. just it, it's just interesting that that's part of part of what you said. Um, yeah. Let's see. I've already covered most of what this is about, but yeah. Let's like see. The, the meat of it, you get like, hey, this is a book for older people, like not for the children. How do we True. know that? How do we know that? Well, folks. <laughs> When you open it up, you can very much tell this is a city, and it's it's a cesspool. There's a open all night triple X places. There's a theater with the movie being showcased by someone named Debbie. I'll let you figure the rest of that out. Um, uh huh. There's just there there's strip bar, strip clubs, everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like this is this is literally. This is, Every corner. Yeah. It, it's it's old school New York. Yeah. Man. You know? It's it, like crazy. The grimy, dirty New York of the eighties and nineties. Yeah. Um what the, the story this book is telling is the breakup of the family. Yeah. It's very powerful. Yes, absolutely. Like a- April is headed to California to to you know to visit and or live with her sister mm-hmm. Casey Jones he leaves you know to, to go on his own journey Splinter stays in uh, Northampton we're not sure why yet but but he cleared something there's demons inside of him that he cannot get a hold of mm-hmm. the turtles have decided they're going to go into into New York we don't know why yet but they've decided we're going home. So they, they go back to New York, return to New York again. And return of the return to New York. <laughs> and then there's this just random guy, just this, that th- he's in so many of the panels and it's, it's obvious, Hey, this guy seems important. He's what, you know, they keep flashing to him. What, what's his deal. And at the very end of the book, is it the very end or close to yeah, right at the end, 
the guy's apartment explodes mm-hmm. because a bomb was there. And no, he's not given a name. He's not given – all he's given is some panels and then an explosion. Yeah. So you don't know, is there more there? What's Is the explosion part of the story? Is the man part of the story? What is going on? Yeah. Uh, the the action part of this 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 book comes from like the last section where as I said there's a lone foot elite guard uh, foot elite guard who is just who kills like a dozen or so foot soldiers like a foot terminator basically yes he is a foot terminator that is absolutely the best way to put it mountain of muscle <laughs> I mean just oh I was like who is this guy. And and we don't know. We don't know. Um, oh, we uh, have a nugget. We have a nugget. Oh, what's the nugget? So, what's the nugget? nugget. Well, uh, our boy Chet, the lucrative entrepreneur that he is, is back. <laughs> but he's fallen on hard times, and to make a quick buck, he decides to uh, basically get into the smut business. Oh, well, yeah, of course. And uh, one uh, of the uh, one of the video stores is his, and he also has a. Uh, as I was looking through the panels, and I was like, "There's a box in one of the corners that says Chet's Box O Fun." I was like, "What could be in there?" <laughs> I was like, "All right, Chet." Hey, Ch- Chet is a Ch- Chet's a, a a man of a thousand talents. He is. To, don't 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 yeah don't assume that you know anything about Chet. Exactly. Because you probably don't. No. But then um, after that page, you know, mm-hmm. we open up to a gorgeous splash page of the family divided. Yes. Yeah. And actually, that was the next thing I wanted to talk about is oh, how, uh, as I said earlier, it's put together all artistic-like. There is, there is a, again, deliberate effort to make this feel like an indie comic book or an indie movie or some sort of art first entertainment second, mm-hmm. you know, cause, cause the, the splash page that you're talking about not only has the family divided, but it's also it, it, the, the way it's arranged on the page is like broken glass. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's, not that's layers. Art, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. And not, not two pages earlier, Casey, you know, is he? Does he break the broke? No, he doesn't break the glass. He broke the glass earlier in the in the, in the book. Mm-hmm. But that's that's kind of an ongoing theme because if you if you go back to go go towards the end of the book, uh, after the explosion, the the shards of the broken building are seen on the next page or the next two or three pages with the you know the family continuing to, to 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 travel away from each other just like the shards of glass that's amazing yeah yeah like it's really beautiful I, if you like if you really want to be a cynic about it you can say oh I'm look at them they're doing being all uppity and artsy but <laughs> I, I absolutely don't want to do that because that that's that, I I believe in the story they're telling and 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 the way this book is 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 put together mm-hmm. helps me believe that. It's a lot like um it kind of has that feel of like the the classic samurai films 
you know, they're very artistic in the way that they mm-hmm. present certain scenes and whatnot. So I, I get a lot of that and I appreciate a lot of that because I'm an artistic guy and I like different types of art and, and medium. So um, it's, it's doing something that the, your mainstream comic doesn't really tend to, to do. It's a, it's a 40 page book. As I said, this story could have been told in 20 or less. But it would not have had the same Im- like emotional impact and would not have had the same gravity if it had been pared down to, say, 20 pages. Yeah, completely. So I, and, I'm a huge fan of, of TMNT 50. Just Yeah, I, I really love how Laird draws turtles. Like, I just I really, really like his his style. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about issue 51. Now, the, the, the next five issues kind of fly by really quickly. Mm-hmm. And rather than, than, than going into the minutia of each issue, I kind of want to talk about the overall story arcs mm-hmm. for each character. Because, as I said, there's like five different stories happening at the same time. And... I was I was reading through the, these in like scans of the original comics, and it, I was reading some of the letters column that that was included in the in, in the in the very end uh, of each book, and each issue is supposed to represent a real time month of time. Oh wow! Now it's kind of fudged here and there, you know, like a like one book ends on a fight scene. And the next book starts with that same fight scene. So it's not like there was a month in between and they just fought for a month. Right. But that that's how they envisioned it. You know, they'll be released in real time, telling the story in real time. So when you're reading it, it's it's very obvious because there are certain indicators. One of the big indicators is the uh, the, the, the nameless man who was blown up in, in, in issue 50. You see him in 51 in a hospital bed bandaged up. Ooh, okay. That, yeah. Okay. So it's basically telling you, hey, he lived. He's screwed right now, <laughs> but he lived. Uh, it's not the, Chet. <laughs> it's not, wouldn't that be great if he ended up being Chet? Um, that would be amazing. The turtles are living on rooftops. In New York, trying to figure out what to do. Well, more specifically, in a non-usable water tower. Yes, kind of like the Animaniacs before before there they go. were around. <laughs> the, the, the Animaniacs stole it from the Ninja Turtles. Probably you heard it here first. So, so, so the turtles have a have a in have a conflict. They're back in the city. They they thought, hey, this seemed like a good idea at the time. You know, we're we, this big gang war that's happening, we're kind of responsible for it because we killed the Shredder, mm-hmm. and now everything is unstable. But how do we fit into this? How, how do we fix it? How Can we fix it? What are we doing here? Wh- what is our existence predicated on now? Yeah. You know, because uh, pr- prior to issue one, their existence was, we are training to become ninja to avenge our, you know, the, uh, avenge Hamato Yoshi. Mm-hmm. 
they killed the shredder. Then very quickly after that, they met April, went to, you know, outer space, came back or went to another dimension, came back. They had to deal with the shredder again, murdered the shredder. Now they're part of a broken family and they don't know what to do. And so the first five issues or which, what do we read? We read 50 through 55. So I would say the first six issues mm-hmm. of city at war is very much them stumbling through who they think they should become as a collective group. A lot of back and forth brother banting or banter. Yes. And not like the playful banter that you would hear in a movie or in a TV show, like serious dialogue about like we shouldn't be future. doing this. It's not our place. You know. Agreed. Agreed. Mm. And so they end up they even throw around the term uh, neighborhood watch. Yeah. They basically become neighborhood watch. And and here, here's where I'm going to start jumping from book to book because it's easier for me to, to follow the story of the characters than it is the books themselves. Okay. So we have the turtles on their neighborhood watch. And they, they end up coming across this big what, – what, what was it? A, a, like a foot – it looked like a giant robot bean. Looks like a giant ro- robot roach or a flea. Yeah, yeah. And so they intervene and they start fighting the foot. They're like, ah, here we go. Here's our purpose. And that fight immediately turns into the, like a giant street war. It went south fast. It, very, very fast. Not only was were, were the turtles fighting this big roach thing, <laughs> but... Dozens of foot, uh, uh, yeah, foot members, foot clansmen. Foot, I don't think clansmen is the right way to put that. Oh, gosh, foot, no, cut. Foot. Uh, they, were, <laughs> it was, it was, they were fighting the feet. <laughs> They're feet fighting. <laughs> They're feet fighting. They're feet fighting. That's one of my notes. They're funny. Um, so they're fighting them, They and and the foot elite ends up showing up. Again. Again, just yeah, just there to terminate some feet. And then the cops show up with guns and the foot clan show up with rocket launchers. Like everything is just going completely off the rails. It's bonkers. Yeah. Like there's some bonkers pages, like panels, like just full on war in the middle of, 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 of the New York streets and Leonardo very, very, um, very smartly is like, we kind of need to leave. Yeah. <laughs> Let's like, this is really bad. We need to leave. And they're like, did we escalate that? Did we make it worse? Did more people die because we inserted ourselves into something that we had no business of inserting ourselves to? Did we expose ourselves all is of the this above. Too, yeah. Is this too big for us? I think is, is no, not no. The, the wording was, are we in way over our heads? Yeah. And that's kind of where an issue ends. It's just like, are, did we bite off more than we can chew? Is this what we're supposed to do? And then the next two issues are basically them coming to terms with that. They're like, we had a purpose. We thought we knew that purpose, mm-hmm. but it is so far beyond what we are able to control 
that there's really nothing we can do. And you, you know those scenes at the end of movies after the cops show up and they always give them a blanket to throw yeah. over the, the, the victim's sh- shoulder? Yeah. It's like, oh, everything's going to be fine. Here, wear this blanket. Well, there's an, in this issue, after they escape that fight, they're all seen wearing blankets because it's now a winter. Yeah. But it is very much... It looks as if they are the victims of that battle, oh, and emotionally they are. That's a that's a good analogy or good. Uh, um, what's the uh, good tie-in In- interpretation? Yes, interpretation. Very good. All right. Well, thank you, thank you. Yeah. I had to do the old seventh inning stretch. <laughs> oh, okay. Are you ready? Yes. All right. Here we go. And resume. Okay, and that's pretty much where we leave the turtles off uh, at the end of book, what, 55? I'm going to double check it and make sure nothing nothing else of importance really happens. Ah, okay, now one more thing happens. They're getting very bored. They're exhausted. They're cold. But Raphael, of course, runs off like Raphael does. He gets mad because somebody walked their dog on a rooftop. (laughs) Uh, yeah, and he immediately gets knocked, like kicked in the face by the foot elite, Oof. the 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 one that it pres- the presumably the one that has been murdering the the um, the foot soldiers around town. Mm-hmm. Raphael beats him, like he gets the best of him, and before they can really ask any questions and figure out what's going on, he commits what's it su- seppuku? Yeah. Did I pronounce that right? I, I believe so, yes. Seppuku. Or yeah, seppuku, he, or yeah, however, yeah. Yeah, he takes Raphael's sigh and kills himself with it, ceremoniously on the rooftop. Man. It's a rough way yeah, to go. Yeah, so 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 the turtles are like, it's, there's some big stuff going on. They, they realize that that, that that guy had you know had been at the, the street, the big street fight, you know, a couple months back. Mm-hmm. So... The, the the turtles are kind of lost. They're, they 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 seem to be in the middle of something, but they're not sure. What do you think of the turtles' arc during this run? Well, again, like you know, it's it's that leading up to that, you know, because it's it's kind of focusing on other characters and stuff, which 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 was completely fine because I wasn't bored. I was completely engaged, um, you know, the whole time. Um, and it, it's kind of like that the whole turtles three movie mentality where it's the turtles aren't really the super main focus mm-hmm. and it works because when they do show up, you know, it's worth the wait again, that with the, the foot elite taking his own life and they have more questions than answers at this point. Yes, they do. Yeah. And they're like, what? And so I, I really enjoyed that. Um, and it's just seeing seeing them, you know, kind of like what Casey went through, you know, everything that's going on. It's 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 starting to to really kind of weigh heavy on them. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and actually, that's a really good way to put it. More questions than answers. Mm-hmm. And for for them to be, you know, in in the middle of a, lo- a long story arc, I that would make sense. You know, like at this point, at this point, you aren't going to have answers, but the way that the story for them is 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 dripping out and not like the Eastman and Lair don't really want to turn on the faucet completely. Yeah. So so yeah yeah I I'm enthralled. 
Oh, definitely. I, I can't wait to read the rest. Uh, let's move on to another character, and then like we'll wrap up at the end. But let's move on to another character. Who do you want to do next? We got Splinter, Casey, April. Let's do. Um, I think we can wrap up April and Casey, and then jump to Splinter. Okay. Um, so very early in the uh, in book, I think fifty one, it's revealed that Casey kind of admitted affection towards April and she shut him down pretty much immediately. Stone cold. Stone cold. Just not, he, She was like, don't. Casey, don't. And so he was obviously very upset about that. Immediately after that, April leaves. Mm-hmm. So Casey has feelings about that and, really, and kind of threw a fit and he leaves himself. And literally threw something. Yes. Like, it was it like a table or a desk or something that he just chunked no, across the room? No, it was a whole freaking dresser. Dresser. That's yeah. what it was. Um, and he leaves. He doesn't indicate what his destination is. I'm not sure he even knew what his destination was. But he drove for 20 hours straight. Uh, to, yeah, to the point where he was kind of falling asleep. And rather than stopping at a hotel or a motel or just stopping to take a nap, he stops at a diner to get more coffee so he can drive some more. Yeah. In this diner, he, he meets uh, the, the, the waitress named was it Gabrielle. Yeah. And, you know, they kind of hit it off. He flirts with her and she's like, oh, hmm, flattery will get you more coffee or whatever. You know, she was she was she was like, hey, thanks. Yeah. Well, Casey leaves the restaurant. To, to find that his car is being stolen. The the thieves get away with the, the car and beat the crap out of Casey. He the, the Gabrielle comes out, you know, tends to his wounds and says they really got you, didn't they? And takes him back to her place to, you know, let him rest so he can call the cops in the morning. Mm-hmm. Well, she leaves for work the next morning and Casey never goes to never calls the cops, never leaves, stays there and cooks for her. And then the months pass and he's still there. He's still there. They're hitting it off. They're a couple. They seem to be happy. She admits to him that she's pregnant. Say what? Yeah. <laughs> Not pregnant with Casey's baby. Oh, pregnant with somebody else's. She had kept this from him, thinking that he would leave when she, you know, when he found out that you know she was having some other dude's baby. But of course, she was pregnant when when you know she met him. It's not like she cheated on Casey or anything like that. Right. Casey, being the stand-up guy that he is, says, "I'm not going anywhere." And through the different you know interactions, we see Casey deciding who he's going to become like he at some point at one point he takes a job at at, at a at a grocery store mm-hmm. and how'd that go not too well especially not for the manager <laughs> ultimately casey proposes to to, to to gab to gabe gabby's gabby gabby is that is, yeah that's what he called her gabby and that's pretty much where the story, where his story leaves off, is him proposing to Gabby. So, so, so Casey's left the Turtles, left Splinter, left April, 
has met someone else, is having a baby and settling down in middle America somewhere. Yeah. Which is a, I can't think of the, another way to describe the opposite end of who Casey Jones was when we first met him. Oh yeah. Like maybe if he was a banker, (laughs) but his story arc is taking him in a direction that I, I never saw coming when I, when I first started reading it. Yeah. Uh, what, 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 how do you feel about the Casey story? Well, I mean, it's, it's definitely, again, I didn't see that coming, but again, it's, it's all a part of the dynamic of the family breaking apart and going different places. Um, or, you know, trying to forge their own path. And so Casey being hurt and jilted by April, like basically she left and like, okay, well that's over and I'm not going to dwell on it and just kind of went to kind of go and, you know, as you said, forge his own path. And he seemed, he seems very happy. He does. He does. Um, he like, towards the beginning of his arc, he's still very much reminiscing about April. He's dreaming and in his dreams, April's there, but as the months pass, he's writing a brand new story for himself. You know, Gabby doesn't know where he comes from here. He doesn't know, you know, she, she, she doesn't really know that he hung out with turtles for a few years. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a really cool departure. Um, let's talk about April because her, her, her story kind of diverges a different way. Mm -hmm. Uh, she also leaves Northampton trying to find herself, uh, very probably more so than the turtles or Casey. She has no idea what she should do. Like when we met her, she was a scientist assistant. She can't go back to doing that, at least not with him. Uh, she, also owned second time around, which has burned to the ground now. Mm-hmm. She has abandoned her her adopted family, and she finds herself traveling to California to meet or to 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 to, to live slash visit her sister. Uh, her sister's name is what? Robin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Robin is more of a free spirited, you know, let's go have fun. Hey, it's not that serious. Calm down. Why aren't you happy? You used to smile so much more. You know, just a very carefree lifestyle. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're led to believe that that's what April used to be like before this, you know, series of, of <laughs> reasons she should be jaded have, have hit her. Right. And her look uh, changes again, too. Like, Robin looks like April, but then April, like... <laughs> Cartoon April, then April that's in here has got black hair again. I was like, wow, you guys are switching it up, man. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's tough for them to be consistent with April. And then when you add another character, like another female character, you kind of have to to, to choose what April's going to look like when the other female character is in the, the, the book. Yeah. Because you can't have two April-looking Aprils. Although that does happen in some of the panels. In some of these issues, I was like, "Wait, both Aprils have dark hair now." You know, you know how you know how you can tell them apart. One has long hair, one has short. No, you you look at the weapons they're using. 
Oh, okay, good. Good. <laughs> I'm so glad you cleared that up. So, April spends... <laughs> April spends this entire arc well just... Done. Thank well you. Done. Thank, thank well you. What? Well, thank you. <laughs> she spends this entire arc just trying to figure out how to live on the West Coast. She goes on a date with a dude, and she, he ends up trying to feel her up on the date, and that goes badly. And 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 her Very sister bad. takes her to get a makeover, and she wears like a very revealing outfit to you know just try to fit in on the west coast and ultimately she's not a west coast girl she's an east coast jaded lives in the cold you know new yorker yeah so uh where we leave the april character is a place of still very lost Mm -hmm. would you agree yes complete opposite of what Casey uh, is going through that where he seems to have found his, his place. Um, But the April, April is very much kind of in the same boat with the turtles as she, as she's also still kind of lost. Very much so. Very much so. I don't like the April story as much as I like the Casey story. Yeah. Just because I feel like there's more, um, there's a, lo- a longer tail on his tail, mm-hmm. you know, like there are implications that come from where he's going that, you know, could have ramifications 15 years from now, 20 years from now. Right. April's just kind of on vacation. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. And not, not to say that that's bad. It just isn't as impactful. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's as emotional for her. But and and that's not me diminishing how the emotion is portrayed on the page. It's portrayed wonderfully on the page. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't hit as hard as the Casey story does for me. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um. Anything else about April before we move on to Splinter? No, that's about all I can think of. Okay. Uh, Splinter's is probably the most nebulous of, of all the stories because he doesn't, he doesn't really vocalize what is wrong. He's yeah. He stays in Northampton and he's having trouble meditating. He can't get it to work at like every issue. Like the first two issues is him just trying to figure out how to find peace. And he just can't. So he goes, wandering off, you know, into Northampton to try to find direction. And he wanders into the same uh, empty industrial park that was in, what what, what issue was it? Um, uh, Tales, Volume 1, Issue 4, uh, the one where we met the Rat King. Mm-hmm. He wanders into that same industrial park and ends up climbing on a building and trying to, you know, looking, looking around and he slips and falls into what looks to be like a cooling tank, mm-hmm. uh, much like a, like a nuclear at a nuclear, uh, you know, plant. Mm-hmm. He breaks his leg or ankle or he has, he has a leg injury and he's unable to walk. This is over, you know, a five month period, mind you. Whew. Yes. 
Yeah, so at least that's what we're led to believe because of how the time is passing. Mm-hmm. He Splinter has to create a splint for his leg. He creates it. Yes, he he passes out from the pain and he just sleeps for an indeterminate amount of time. Eventually, he wakes up dehydrated, needing food to a shadowy figure in, you know, in the shadows of this this abandoned building that he's that he's in. And it's almost like the the shadowy figure is taunting him. You know, what what you need is right there. You just haven't reached for it. And, and and he's just like, if you're not going to help me, leave me be. Stop taunting me. And and it is and, it, and of course, it's the Rat King. Of course. It's the first time Splinter has met the Rat King. And right now, we're not sure what's going on. Presumably, because if you remember at the end of uh, Tales number four, the Rat King falls into what seems to be the exact same cooling tank thing and is trapped. Mm-hmm. So what his, how has he survived ever since the events of number four? It's a very good question, Sergio. And it will be revealed like they're like Splinter's story goes in a disturbing direction. Ooh, but it's very cool that we finally get to see the Rat King interact with Splinter. And it's very cool that the Rat King is cool and not just some, you know, sad hobo like he was in the last issue. Yeah. What do you think of Splinter's mini arc there? That was really cool. Um, you know, it's just, you, you just kind of, it's that continuation of the family breaking apart. Um, I didn't see it going in that direction, but I was like, oh, wait. I know what that silo is. I was uh, like, I remember silo, that issue. That's a good way to put it. Uh, <laughs> or silo, or wherever, whatever it's called. Um, no, silo is the right word. That's okay. what I should uh, have been calling it this whole time. Oh, uh, well, you could just re-edit. You could just say silo and like cut and paste. Um, silo. 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 <laughs> Silo-like building. Cut print. Um, and uh, I was like, oh, snap. Because I didn't, you know, I didn't skip ahead or anything. I was like, yep, I knew it. That jerk's back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and, and as I said pr- previously, I did not like how they portrayed him because it wasn't as, like, there, there's a mystique that comes with saying, I am the Rat King. Yeah. You know, there needs to be some mystery behind it. You you need to, it needs to be creepy. It needs to be what is it? Does this guy live off rats? Can he control rats? Like, what's keeping him alive? Is he magic? Like, we need we need some sort of mystery. And the previous issue just did not do that. Yeah. In the way that th- this one has, you know, kind of promises that it wants to do. Yeah. So I. I'm digging it. I'm digging it. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Let's talk about the Nameless Man. Yeah, I'm... T- what? <laughs> so, as we said, he, he was blown up in the first... In, in issue 50. If you look closely, there's at least one panel of him in every issue after that. 
Yeah. And in each panel, it's obvious he's become more healthy. Yeah. You know, he starts off in a body cast and then he, you know, then he moves to a wheelchair and, you know, there's an IV and it's, he's there in at least the way I'm interpreting it is he's there to show the passage of time. Yeah. You know, because, oh, that's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's not very apparent that it's been a month. You know, the, the only other real indicator would be Gabby's belly. As the ba- you know, as her baby bump gets bigger, right. But this this nameless guy who never talks, never has any kind of you know s- real story. He just shows the passage of time by how he's healing. And so, by the time we're in what issue fifty five, is it fifty five? Yeah, fifty five. He's he's looking better. He's not healed, but he's looking much better. Yeah. And he's and spoiler alert, he sticks around. Like <laughs> he's going to continue to show the passage of time throughout all of City at War. But it's a very, very interesting and poignant way to 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 point out this is a you know a living story. Well, that's cool. So so I I really dig that guy. Yeah. There's a few other notes that we need to touch upon when it comes to. Where the, where we leave the story off before we can really sign off. Mm-hmm. The Foot Clan. For some reason, that Foot Elite guy was murdering Foot Clan members. We have not been informed as to why. We don't really know the status of the Foot Clan except that there's chaos in the city. And we finally get to meet Karai. Yeah. This is Karai's official... Introduction, I believe, and it was at book 52. Mm-hmm. How did that hit you? Or well, I knew she was too com- early to tell. I knew she was coming. Like, I just, yeah. I knew, but I didn't know, um, you know, exactly, you know, which issue. Um, it's like, you know, just they're, they're watching this whole thing unfold in, in, uh, in New York. And, um, wait. That's right, right? Yeah. 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 Well, she and, wasn't in New York, but the, yeah, the chaos was in New York. Yeah, and she was like, you know, okay, it's time to it's time to go. It's time to make our move. Um, she she had a she had a really good line where she said, "What? Through chaos comes weakness?" Oh, yeah. Or something like that. That's a really good one. Yeah. Um but at this point in the story, very little context is given to who she is and yeah. why she's coming to New York other than to take, you know, take some sort of control, some sort of power. Yeah. And then she's given a tape that has, uh, images from the fight and she, they kind of doctor up the footage and reveals Donatello. Yes. There's a, there's a turtle in there. Yep. And she seems real, real satisfied. Mm hmm. So, so she she obviously knows something. Again, more questions than answers, Jeff. Yeah, oh yeah. That's that's how you hook the reader. Oh yeah, yeah. Like month, I I, I would hate to read this month to month. Like have to wait a month with, with at the speed at which they're trickling out these details. Oof. Yeah. Rough. Yeah. Very rough. 
Um, when it comes to story content, that's pretty much what happened. Did I miss anything terribly important, Jeff? Mm, no, I don't think so. I think that covers pretty much. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, so I do have a few notes outside of just, you know, story beats. Mm, I have some nuggets. Okay. Well, then throw your nuggets at me. Well, that's, that sounds bad, but yeah. Throw your nuggets at me, bad. Jeff. Okay, so in the beginning of issue 52, uh, which is part three of City at War, uh, at the bus stop, we've got some uh, posters and stuff inside mm-hmm. the bus stop. There's a Three Stooge Film Festival, and there appears to be an image of st- a drawing of Stimpy from Ren and Stimpy. That tracks. That would make that. Let's see. When did Ren and Stimpy start? Like ninety one. Yeah, I think so. There's also a picture of Bart Simpson and Godzilla. <laughs> oh yeah, Ren's on there too. He's kind of hard to see, but then there's something in the background behind that, and I can't tell what that is. But I thought that yeah. was pretty interesting that they snuck those in there. They, they're the and they are no strangers to sneaking stuff in. Yep. Um, what else you got? Um, I think that's it. That's like the only real nugget, um, that I could find, except I just got a really big kick out of April reading the newspaper, um, saying victim of victims of the, of latest bizarre killing spree said to be members of secret cult gang called the feet. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, (laughs) I just laughed out loud for a good minute. <laughs> you know, that that's probably the most realistic thing in all of these books. Yeah, bad reporting. They're just just confused reporting. Yeah. It's like they kind of got it right, but it's just wrong enough to be embarrassing. My big thing is uh there's not really much of anything funny. No, in these six books. Mm-mm. For City of War like at all. It's a serious read. It really is. They just up the drama. Uh, all of the characters are in the middle of a huge, huge like growth arc. Yeah. And uh, I, I can't imagine, again, I said this about Casey's story arc, but there isn't a story I can think that is farther away that, from the original cartoon than this. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure Eastman and Laird needed to needed to get this on paper. At oh, this point in their career, yeah. You know, because because the, the turtles had become something like the the wheels had come off. The turtles had become something they had never even dreamed it would become, and they kind of needed to ground themselves. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Oh, I agree. Um that distinction between the goofy cartoon and what that they had originally set out to create. Um, and it, I think is exactly what needed to happen. Um, it really, I would have really loved to have seen this in movie form. Oh um, man, this would have made a wonderful sequel to the original movie. Could it have all been done in an hour, or could it have been two films? I th- I th- I think if they just stuck to the story, like the key story beats, yeah, 
they could probably and maybe not have uh like had the big like if Casey's story didn't have him leaving town mm-hmm. or April's story didn't have her leaving town. I think I think it could have been done in one movie. Yes. Yeah, I have hopes. Maybe one day. One day, it's gonna happen. One day, like, it, I mean, since we got Turtles vs. Batman animated, I mean, at this point, pretty much anything is probably possible. Yeah, um, I just I would love to see more, like, like how how Warner Brothers adapts DCAU, or, or you know their um, mm-hmm. films, animated stuff. Yeah, yeah, I I want I want that for Turtles, but I want that that I want a good PG thirteen or sometimes R. Would yeah. be nice. Like th- th- that's uh, Nickelodeon is Viacom is not a dumb company. Like they know how to market and 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 distribute their characters. They've mm-hmm. been they've been <laughs> bringing money out of SpongeBob for how long now? Oh god, twenty years, twenty two years. Yeah, it's insane. The the one thing that the turtles have that bothers me is that. Every time someone wants to do something with them, they want to swing for the fences. Mm-hmm. They want a movie. They want a full-on Saturday morning cartoon. They don't want quaint, small, you know, small audience content. Yeah, and that's what the DC animated like movies are. That is that is small audience content. Yeah, good example: the new Mortal Kombat movie animated uh, Bullseye. Yeah, bullseye. Who's buying that? Nobody's buying that. Enough people are buying it to justify its existence. It's not going to take over the world. No, and I mean, that's got... what Nickelodeon needs to find. They need to find the audience size to make films like that happen. Let's let's bring this back to to to, to City at War. So so far, how are you liking City at War? I'm really enjoying it. Like, because I again, I only knew. The, the four-parter from the animated series. Is there anything surprising about it? I mean, you know, a lot of it, mainly uh, the Casey story, the April story, um, and then, of course, the Foot Elite. Um, just, again, because I... This is my first big introduction to, you know, the actual comics. Mm-hmm. So while you've grown up reading these and you know these stories because you've read them a million times... I'm discovering a lot of these for the for the first time, and it's it's really just kind of again. I know I've said it on multiple podcasts, but it really just reignites my passion and love um, for the turtles because it's I have fresh eyes going into this, and it's, fresh it's eyes. very enjoyable. Oh. Yeah, I, I I like that phrase. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, as I said up uh, up top at the beginning, I, I think it's this is the best thing. Kevin Eastman and and Peter Laird ever did with the turtles. If you don't count like issue number one, like issue number one is kind of a monolith and it can't be touched. But as a continuous story, this is probably the best thing that they did. I don't know if it's my favorite. That's a whole nother conversation, but it's probably the best. Oh yeah. So I'm down. Like I, if any if anyone ever wants to adapt this to anything, I'm 100% down. Um, but be respectful and do it right. Don't screw it up. Yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> with that said, uh, I kind of have an announcement to make. Oh. Kind of. So 
this is episode what, 34? Yeah. Yeah, 34, which means the next episode is 35. And what do we do on fives and zeros, Jeff? Character spotlight? That's right. Next episode is The Shredder. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I, The Shredder is one of those characters that I like to talk about because he upsets me so much. So <laughs> I'm really going to enjoy talking about that probably yeah. next week or the week after that. Okay. But I'm calling a huge audible on the episode after that. Ooh. Because City at War is such an important arc, and I don't want there to be a four-month you know, lapse between when we read this and when we follow up, mm-hmm. we're going to dive back into the second half of City at War in episode 36. I have no complaints or qualms about that. Yeah, I mean, just back-to-back. Back. Like, why not? Go ahead and knock out the rest of the Volume 1 continuity and see where this ends up, rather than doing it in December or whenever we would have gotten around to it. Right. Yeah. So, so think of that as kind of just like a a little quarantine goodie, because I don't know if I would have made that decision if, you know, we weren't locked in our house reading books. I don't know. I think you might have. So you didn't want to read each issue or wait between months to read each, each issue. So why should we make the, the listeners wait Four or five months for the other <laughs> half. You know what? You know what? I, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And you, it is a great idea, isn't it, Sergio? It's a wonderful idea. I'm so smart. <laughs> no. <laughs> Bad. Uh, I think for now, that's all I have to say about City at War. Um, we will definitely talk about it when, again when we get to the conclusion. Again, next time, tune in for Shredder. Jeff? When when you're not quarantining, quarantining, yeah. Where can we find you? Well, Sergio, uh, as always, you can find me at the Warp Zone Arcade, um, Brandon's premier arcade in Crossgates. Um, we have hundreds of games to play, from retro classics to modern titles, Nintendo, Sega, Neo Geo, uh, PlayStation, all that. Um, we do. Tournaments, birthday parties, uh, events. Uh, we're always, always trying to find something to do uh, in the gaming uh, arena, as it were. Um, gaming is our passion, our love, and um, as soon as all this stuff, you know, kind of winds down, we we can't wait to see everybody because it's kind of, kind of driving us crazy. Not, not uh, getting together with everybody and having a good time. Yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't wait till y'all open back up because. I'm getting stir crazy, Jeff. I'm getting stir crazy too, and I was like, I think, if I'm not mistaken, this year actually marks our tenth year being oh, open. Oh, that's true. So I did not see the celebration going like this <laughs> at all. Yeah, and you can check us out on Facebook. Just look go. Just look up the Warp Zone Arcade. You can also find us on Instagram at the Warp Zone Arcade. Look for that circle logo. Please like, share, follow, keep up with us. Uh, We try to post some enjoyable, fun content for you guys to kind of take your mind off of, you know, what's going on out there. You don't have to social distance from the Facebook page. No, you do not. Uh, Well, awesome. Where can we find you, Sergio? Oh, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Um, Basically, realitybreach.com. 
Reality Breached, of course, is a podcast and a podcast network. Uh, on that network is where you will find Shellheads, which you apparently have found because you've made it to the end of the episode. We have a whole bunch of other podcasts that we're producing. We are continuing to produce them through the COVID quarantine situation. Uh, we've done a whole bunch of episodes specifically about uh, COVID stuff. So you can check those out. You don't have to. They're really fun. Some of them are really, really, really good. Um, if you don't want to jump directly into our podcast, you can definitely follow us uh, on our socials like like Facebook, Twitter. I think that's it. Yeah, that's all those two. Those are the only two that Reality Breached has. But Shellheads, the podcast you're currently, you're currently listening to, we are on Facebook and we have an Instagram that I've been posting stuff to. Ooh. I'm I'm dangerously close to going live on Instagram and just doing a rundown of my infamous uh, Ninja Turtles China cabinet. Ah, the China cabinet. Dangerously close to doing that. I just need to have one or two too many uh, quarantinis. Ah, uh, the quarantinis. Uh, but that's all we got for this this episode. Tune in next time. Uh, I'm Sergio. I'm Jeff. And we're Shellheads. Don't miss an episode of the Shellheads podcast. Visit realitybreach.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or anywhere you get your podcasts.